Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, today I wanted to continue a discussion that we had, or at least mentioned in our last episode, being that we all know that at some point that we're going to die. While we all simultaneously have a desire to keep living. So that is kind of the duality that, that we have as, as human nature within us. So what I wanted to discuss in this episode and not try to politicize diseases as has been the case for a long time now, uh, but to just address that inevitably we're all going to have something that's going to fail us physically and get to this point of either ourselves and well, definitely ourselves, but people around us as well eventually are going to get sick and all of these other elements. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I obviously now have a son. So I have to think about these things in a different way um, in terms of how do we address the notion that I need to build up his immune system and to do that, he needs to overcome things on his own. Whereas at the same time, I do know that there's this thing in my shelf that would just make things better. And yeah, and to a certain extent, that is a, a physical rudimentary question. But as we grow more in life, um, it's also very applicable to the spiritual side of the world, where there's going to be some things that I could step in and just fix for them, you know, Think about two-year-old and three-year-old problems. Um, but there's also things that if he learns the, how to do them himself, he'll be better off for, for the rest of his life. So essentially what my question is, and this is very broad and encompasses a lot of things here, is how do we as teachers of, of the future, I mean, you're a teacher yourself, but in looking at my case and in, in teaching my son, where do we walk the line of interfering and stepping in to correct someone's actions versus kind of letting them figure it out themselves? And there's probably an answer in the middle somewhere. Uh, but how to go about that as far as having the mindset of the appropriate way of, of being a guider? <laughs> well, I'd say about six and a half. That's probably a good place. Uh, <laughs> of course, it's a, a, a ridiculous question for uh, an answer, a, a ridiculous answer for a question that can't be qual quantified. Um, you know, it, it, you, you just played out some of the balance there that exists and that we should be aware of. There are, there are things that we learn to grow in and we need to exercise our own freedom. And there are things that we need to have done for us. There are things that that are better off with kind of the long game of, uh, you know, building up uh, strength uh, or, or skills and other things that should be done in the short game, just taking a pill. Um, and how do you find the balance in all of that um, trial and error, <laughs> you know, there's, and, and really learning from the, the wisdom of those who have gone before and uh, and I think there's a fair amount of flex there. There are no absolute answers in, in any of those areas. And so there's also a, a matter of discernment, you know, what's uh, what's God asking of me? But I'm, 
Uh, I'm edified by, you know, uh, Maria Montessori developed a number of, uh, did a lot of work in terms of childhood development and the normal ages at which children uh, grow in different ways. And uh, the first six years of life, children tend to be more independent. The next six years of life, they really want to work together. And so uh, kind of honoring those different spaces the first year, six years of life, they're really developing a lot of skills. They're interacting with the world. They're uh, trying to, to do things on their own. And so they need to be shown, but then they need to have the chance to, to mess things up. And I love uh, Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. I've mentioned that a number of times. And uh, they, they even have a toddler version of uh, the CGS. And so uh, I know the the child will be asked to pour something, you know, pouring is a kind of, it's a liturgical skill. We pour things in the liturgy. We pour the wine into the chalice. We pour the water into the wine. And so these are liturgical skills <clears throat> and a child is given. And we also pour for the hand washing and a child is given a chance to do some pouring. And of course, when a child is given at the age of two, something to pour, uh, it's going to end up on the table. Now it's just water. And every adult will want to try to like get in there and stop the child from pouring the water on the table. But the answer is, well, if you pour the water on the table, you have to also clean it up. And then you're learning like how life works. Uh, you can make a mess and then you have to clean it up. And that's not a judgment. You don't, you don't get shamed for that. It's not uh, a matter of good and evil. It's just the way that life works. And so those kinds of things uh, are, are really helpful when we, we let children do things, and then we also let them handle the consequences if they're going to spill things, break things, you know, and it, again, it's not a matter of shaming or punishment. It's not a, it's not a way to exert anger. Uh, well, you clean it up. It's, it's just, you know, uh, this is, this is how this works. And the child will figure out, well, I don't want to clean it up. And so I'm going to care. I'm going to pour more carefully. And that's how all of us grow. So that's just one uh, very little example, but there's a whole range of things. You know, when teenagers are ready to practice being adults, that's one of the insights of uh, Maria Montessori and her work in childhood development. And this is all borne out in subsequent uh, decades after Maria Montessori lived in the first half of the 20th century. And, and it also fits quite well, actually, with uh, the, the models of the human person developed by St. Thomas Aquinas in the Middle Ages. Uh, she, she certainly had much more research in terms of the details, but just the idea that we grow in our capacity to think by also growing in our capacity to use our senses and, uh, and develop our skills. So uh, the head, the brain doesn't grow in a vacuum. The, the brain is the, the spirit, the intellect is nested in a body. And so we use our bodies and uh, in, in order to grow in our concepts and understanding. But she understood that teenagers are ready to practice being adults. Now, they're not ready to be adults, but they want to practice being adults. They want to try to do things. So if you're going to go on a family vacation, let your teenager plan it. Now, you're going to have to kind of look it over and uh, be a little bit careful that he get all the details. And, but, but give your teenager the, print, the chance to practice being an adult. It's the, the failure of a lot of our youth ministry programs, I think, in parishes is we tend to create this sort of infantilized environment where we're creating educational entertainment for teenagers. And they're really not interested and they don't show up.
But if you let them take ownership of it, you let them practice being adults, let them practice uh, setting the agenda and finding out that something works and something else doesn't work, give them the room to fail, to make mistakes, then they can do a lot of growing through that. So I do think that there's an area uh, that you're kind of aiming at in your question, I think, Joe, which is uh, let people grow. And that's, uh, you were talking about it in terms of disease and, you know, being exposed to uh, everything on the floor, you know, every child uh, eats everything on the floor and uh, it's probably good at the end. They get a lot of antibodies as they expose themselves to a lot of things. And there's, there's certainly the, ex the extremes are there. You know, we can identify that if they aren't, aren't careful, they can end up eating rat poison. You know, mm -hmm. that's not going to be good. Um, on the other hand, if you keep them away from everything and they live in a sterile environment, they'll be super vulnerable to even the, the, the most mild cold. And so the extremes are fairly obvious where you land in the middle is again, going to depend a little bit on your own temperament. Uh, some people tend to be overprotective. They're going to have to pull them, hold themselves back a bit and loosen up. Other people tend to be uh, overly permissive and they may need to ramp things up and pay a little bit more attention to the, the consequences or the actions of their children. And so everybody needs to kind of find their own, their own way through that process in terms of parents caring for children. And then in terms of our own, uh, our own lives, some, some people tend a little bit more towards the kind of fearful side of things and, and may need some, uh, getting help is always a good thing to do. You know, that, that we're supported by other human beings Nothing in the Christian life and nothing in our, our human development is aimed toward uh, never needing anyone for anything. So we, the, the goal, the perfection of our human life is in love. And so it's in relationships. And so the more that our human life orients towards getting help and developing relationships, that's always going to be a good thing. So we're never aiming at total independence. That's not a, that's not a goal. But uh, there may be areas that you know, God has gifted us in certain ways to be able to carry out certain tasks or things that we're a little better at. Um, and some people who might be a little bit more fearful might be, might have some gifts in terms of uh, really seeing the dangers that are there. Uh, sometimes people are a little foolhardy and not accurately evaluating the dangers that are present. But, um, you know, the, uh, sometimes people are a little more fearful because they see the dangers more clearly. And that's not a bad thing. Some people who are foolhardy need to be told the dangers. Some people who are fearful need to be told, well, but every danger doesn't happen. The worst case scenario is not always the one that unfolds. And that's where, again, we can see the balance that's struck if we have relationships, if we are open to other perspectives, if we're in, uh, in, in open communicative relationships with others who can balance out our weaknesses or, or, uh, or our strengths. And so the, the best thing is to do it together. And that's where, you know, even husband and wife can often be a nice combination. One may lean a little one way, one may lean a little the other way. And, and together they have to come to a, a compromise so that they can be on the same page and they have a nice way of balancing each other out. And, and that, same dynamic goes into lots and lots of other, other scenarios, other settings as well. Well, that certainly applies to us. I mean, I'm, 
safety sometimes and she's safety always all the way through. And the one thing that I wanted to, and I know that there's no hard answer on this one either, but in terms of the world we live in, particularly with this thing called Google out there, we can always find someone out there on the internet who will, if we comb long enough, who will back every single point that we're making, whether we are factually correct or not. And what I wanted to kind of press in here, and and maybe we can do a little bit of a dive into it, is how do we as individuals get out of our own zone to make sure that we're just not listening to what we want to hear, but actually seeing the totality of a situation, both applicable to what we're discussing here, but that's a general life skill um, that's a, you know vast to all animals of our life. So I wanted to see if we can spend a, a quick little minute on that thought about how to open our minds beyond just what we want to hear to be able to get the entire breadth and totality of the situation as a whole. Yeah, you make a great point, Joe. The, uh, there, there is uh, somewhere on the internet that will back up whatever your idea is and, uh, and do it with a lot of sophisticated language. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's become such a problem in our society. It seems like we live in a lot of silos and we, we don't like to hear alternate perspectives. Uh, I think one thing is, um, you know, making friends is helpful. Maintaining family relationships is helpful. Um, recognizing that we, that we need another perspective is helpful. And then, uh, kind of stretching ourselves to, to, to receive that is, uh, is really important. Um, just knowing that and choosing it, uh, dying to ourselves is, uh, there's always another side to the story. There's always another perspective. That's, uh, just a useful thing to keep in mind. Um, but then, uh, I think also being the person that's going to give another perspective. I, I hope you and I model this well on the podcast, Joe, that like if we can be a little bit more balanced and not, not overstate our position and recognize that there are two sides to things and be a little bit gentle in presenting things so that we're not imposing uh, ideas on, on people, but are really uh, offering things to think about, offering perspectives that people can look into and consider. and uh, Just in general, it's always good to foster a lot of freedom. Freedom is one of those gifts of our humanity. And so uh, the more that we can foster freedom in people rather than always being on the debate circuit and trying to like convince everybody of everything, um, let's, let's demonstrate it and, and take the questions seriously that people have rather than just dismissing them out of out of turn is like, you know, well, that's a, a crazy liberal whack job. You know, that's a, that's a conservative bully. That's a, you know, using a little, some less, less labels and more charity and uh, trying to cultivate more humility and, and to recognize there's always, there's always a truth in, in things, even if they are astray, there's a truth that's there and we can always find that and draw that truth out. There's always a point of connection, even if, uh, you know, maybe one person is taking one approach to whatever vaccines or the pandemic or the mitigation or something. Somebody's taking another approach 
can we at least acknowledge that both are concerned about, you know, human life <laughs> and uh, some are concerned about human life not being limited by uh, whatever vaccinations or restrictions or uh, whatever else. Others are, are concerned about human life not being affected by the, the virus or having full symptoms, but they're two different paths, hopefully approaching the same goal, which is the, the reverence and protection and, and thriving and fostering of, of all human life. So anyway, it just, just helps when we can presume uh, those who have a different perspective are not simply evil incarnate and that they do have something to teach us. And then if we can learn to hear that and take it in and take it seriously, then that really helps to foster a much healthier dialogue between people. And not just a dialogue, but it also helps you understand both your side and the other side better. I mean, it's not necessarily going to be that every single time you hear new information, you're going to change your perspective. Sometimes you hear the other side and it reinforces what you were thinking because you've heard another perspective or, or you saw how they came to the conclusion. And I think that that is part of what I was trying to discuss a few weeks ago when I was talking about how it seems so much in modern culture, we only focus on who's saying something rather than what is being said. And I think that we all are guilty of falling into this trap of, I've heard, I want to put this person in a category so that I can determine whether or not I'm going to actually listen to them or just write it off as you gave a couple of examples that are, that are used today. And to me, and I apologize if I'm getting off topic here, but to me, that's what the danger of trying to put everyone into a group is rather than taking everyone's individual thought or teachings, but trying to put everyone into a group. To me, that just seems incredibly counterproductive and probably dangerous um, in terms of a of way of trying to function. And I get that that we've discussed before that there's kind of a human nature that requires us to do that. You know, when when we see it we see an animal, it's an angry tiger. We're not going to think that, oh, maybe this is the nice tiger. We have the thought of, oh, every tiger wants to eat me, so we need to run away or prepare for this. But when we're talking about individuals with free will, that's not applicable. And it's a thought that had been getting me in, one, in different angles, attacking my mind, just something that I really wanted to articulate. I get that that's a little bit off from where this episode was going, but... Yeah, I, I think it's really important to recognize, you know, there there's a purpose to ha to acknowledging people in groups. You know, there's a certain shorthand that goes with that. Oh, if you are Catholic, then you believe these things, support these things. And and roughly speaking, that's true, you know, and, and so I don't need to go through with somebody every one of their beliefs. I know they belong to this group, and I know that situates them roughly in this set of uh, beliefs, actions, um, associations, relationships, etc. So there's a there's a point to that. It's not a strictly evil behavior to uh, put people in groups. But uh, then we often talk about pigeonholing, which is I'm cramming somebody into a space that's smaller than they actually are. 
as if they can't think outside of a certain ideology because they belong to a group. And somebody might say that about uh, Catholics. Oh, he's a, now we often end up qualifying it. He's a, this kind of, you know, a conservative Catholic or something. And therefore uh, he hates everybody that commits abortion. Well, now, first of all, you've gotten our, our belief structure wrong. We don't hate people. Um, we do hate sin and we hate the sin of abortion as a, as an example, but uh, I don't hate the people that are involved. I love the people that are involved, which is why I care about their souls. So yeah, one of the problems is we cram people into groups and then we get the beliefs of the group wrong. We caricaturize it. Um, and then also it's like, okay, well, some conservative Catholics have, you know, this kind of feeling on, I don't know, immigration or this kind of feeling on liturgy, or uh, some of them are really in favor of the traditional Latin mass and and some of them don't know it as well. So there's some fuzz around conservative Catholic. It's not a description that accurately characterizes the the entirety of someone's person. Uh, I happen to be somebody who loves the Latin mass and loves the charismatic renewal and, you know, uh, and loves a lot of things in between. And so people might try to pigeonhole me and, oh, he's a Latin mass guy. Well, yeah. I, I also like stand in parking lots at, in front of liquor stores and evangelize street people. You know, it's like, <laughs> what well, can you really characterize my whole life by this small category? So that's where we have to be careful. And, and categories like Republican and Democrat are even worse. I mean, there are so many different kinds of Republicans or different kinds of Democrats or different kinds of independents or, you know, so, uh, so a, a category can be a starting point. Point. It's a shorthand. It gets me to uh, an initial set of ideas, but then I need to validate that against reality. Um, just because some conservatives seem to be louder and more obnoxious or something doesn't mean that all of them are. And so I need to actually get to know you or whoever I'm meeting rather than simply leaving them in a camp or pigeonholing them in a category. Yeah, and as we... As we, we, we look at that and see, there's such a temptation to do that, especially when everyone around us and seemingly the entire internet is geared towards trying to put you into a pigeonhole and then us continuing to expound upon that tidal wave of momentum. And I think that that we are called and unless I'm mistaken to, to be better than that and, and to actually look at people for what are their actual actions and, and what are the actions and results of things that they are pushing for. And, you know, some things, you know, we're given this gift of intellect that we can see the natural progression of, of this idea one way or the other. Now we might not be able to fully enhance and, computate every variable involved it's very difficult to do that and very few people can but in general we can see that if i ate an entire diet of ice cream i wouldn't be very healthy in about the third week if it took that long um, and there are some basic things like that so i wanted to kind of end this episode with the thought of we are called not to pigeonhole people and to look at them as the totality of their being and what they're actually saying and doing and what those results translate to for them. And would they be beneficial for me to practice in my own life? So 
I want to give you a chance to get the final word on today's episode as we move forward into next week. Yeah, that's right. There's a we all have a partial uh, view to things, and we really need each other. I said said it several times now. You know, the, there's there's no ideal in Christianity of not needing anyone for anything. There's no ideal of ultimate independence that we're aiming at. And so we're really aiming to become one, that, that all may be one as the Father is in the Son and the Son is in the Father, that all may be one in Him and in them. And so that's, uh, that's really what we're aiming at. And, and we're not going to get there if we uh, pigeonhole, exclude, exile, if we condemn and uh, refuse to listen. And uh, so we, we have to work towards hearing and ultimately we're, we're given, uh, we're able to see better when we, when there are multiple of us trying to see at the same time and then we get a fuller picture. And so we should learn to celebrate that and rejoice in it. Not to say any of that's easy. I mean, I certainly have people who are very ideologically uh, opposed to me. And it's, it's hard to find that common ground and to work through some of the conflicts and, um, you know, but we've got to make the effort. That's a, that's what it is to be Christian is really to aim at everyone being united in Christ. And what a beautiful goal and task for us to take forward into next week. So we thank everyone for listening to us and we will be with you again next week.